0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off-season. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this on the 5th day of July, 2017, outdoors. On kind of a cloudy day in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Happy 5th of July, everyone. Now, I want to just say, I want to say something right off the bat. This has nothing to do with baseball. I'm outdoors here in Palo Alto. You may hear traffic go by me. This is how it's going to roll today. I want to say something there's nothing to do with baseball, but I have to bring it up. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. Even, you know, Cubs fan with an 8 and all my fans who are not in the United States I still hope you had a good 4th of July. It may not be Independence Day for you, but it was the 4th of July. I hope it was a nice day for you. And I like to... When it's a day where you wish someone a happy day, even if it's not a holiday that they celebrate, you should always take that in a positive way. You always should. That's why if someone says to me, Merry Christmas... I have the nice Kwanzaa, happy Passover. I always say, thanks, even if I don't specifically celebrate that. And if you don't specifically celebrate the 4th of July, because you live in Switzerland, you live in England, you live in, you know, Mark Blakemore probably gets, in in England probably gets a little pissed off because he's British and he wishes we still had America and all the things like that. But I hope you had a nice 4th of July. But here in America... We had a barbecue, a family barbecue yesterday. It was lovely. I'm sure a lot of people are having cookouts or, you know, unless you're in New Jersey, you were going to the beach. And there were firework shows. And if you went to a firework show, I hope you had a nice time. You look up and said, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, uh, here's things, there's shit blowing up in the sky. But if you are one of these people who are blowing up firecrackers, I just want to say, and, and Ray, cover your son's ears, fuck you. Seriously. That's I don't drop many F-bombs on this podcast. It's worth saying fuck you if you're someone who says, hey, I bought a bunch of things to blow up, and I'm going to blow them up. And yeah, I'm putting that voice on, because if you blow up stuff, you're that dumb idiot who blows stuff up. Okay, you're the, the, the next door neighbor, Sid, from Toy Story. That's who you are, all right? All last night, I was trying to fall asleep at one point. And it's not a beautiful fireworks show over the Shoreline Amphitheater, over the San Jose Municipal Stadium, or over the, the Bay Bridge and everything like that. No, it's just, boom, oh, look at that, it blowed up. Boom, there's another thing. It blowed up. Car alarms going off all night. And it's not a California thing. It's an all-America thing. I remember I had the 4th of July in Melbourne, uh, Florida. And I was in my hotel room in Melbourne, Florida in the 4th of July. And in the parking lot, people were just blowing stuff up. All right? That's stupid. Well, I mean, look it. I'm not one to belittle what people find fun. Okay, there's stuff that I don't understand why you would quilt. I don't understand why you would, I don't know, read poetry. But if that's your your thing, that's your thing. I'm sure a lot of people don't understand why I like baseball. But I draw the line at firecrackers because, A, that could blow up a car. That could cause damage. And also, it's just disturbing people. In my kids, if you have pets, I'm sure they're freaking out. Like, I was asleep twice after midnight last night in Palo Alto. Boom! Explosion. Car alarms going off. You know, it it sounds like Fallujah outside. Where's the fun in that? Someone write to me at info at sullybaseball.com if you're one of these knuckleheads who just likes to blow stuff up. And it's not even blow stuff. Up. I'm gonna watch this thing go bam. What are you? What are you? A, what are you? A, a, a chimp? That's what you're. you're this thing's gonna see this thing. Yeah, now it's exploded. Okay, I'm now gonna do it again. Okay. Leave the blowing stuff up to the professionals. Okay, because it may entertain you for what that one second. But then, then what do you have? And that whole firecracker culture, I don't get. I just don't get, and it's annoying. I remember one time we were down in uh, Chinatown in Los Angeles. And I know what you're saying. Forget it, Sully. It's Chinatown. But we were there. My wife, my kids, and I were there. And there was some kid there who had like a bag of firecrackers. And he was just throwing them on the, on the ground one at a time. And it just every time it hit the ground, it go, pop. And he said, another, pop. And it was really annoying and this kid goes pop, pop pop, and I just wanted to turn the kids are you having fun? Because you look bored as hell. And if you're bored, you're annoying me. <laughs> so knock it off. And then the kid like took like a smoke bomb. He just lit a smoke bomb and like it made all this this like purple smoke look like napalm. And it just started to go in there and started the smoke started like filling up where we were. And I turned to the kid's mother who was sitting there, who was, a, who was an idiot, just sitting there watching their kid lighting napalm and throwing firecrackers around. I said, hey, do you mind? And the mother so what? I said, I don't know. Maybe I want to sit here and not be engulfed by purple smoke. So look it. I'm not one to say, get a life or criticize what people like. Okay? I think the phrase get a life is one of the worst phrases we can say to someone because it takes something that someone is really into and really loves and belittles it because it's not what everyone else does. I hate the term get a life. But if the thing you do that gets your, your, your juices flowing is something that is annoying to other people and could cause damage and sucks... You know, like firecrackers. Knock it off. Alright? Knock it off. And if any of you are out there, this is your thing, I gotta say, we hate it. We, meaning everyone else in the world, hates it. No one says, hey, look at that thing, it blew up. No one thinks it's cool. We think it sucks. I hope you have all your fingers. Let's move on. Hey, um, First of all, a couple of people have asked me my thoughts about Logan Morrison wanting to be in the home run derby and saying Gary Sanchez shouldn't be in the home run derby. Um, I, I get why Tampa Bay Rays and their players feel like they get the short end of the stick. I really do. I do. And I have sympathy for them because they're a great story. When you consider since, you know, in the last 10 seasons, the team which has been the absolute epitome of what a small market team that has no chance is supposed supposedly is playing a terrible stadium poor attendance no national presence players leave via free agency all their time their high their high profile manager left you know they, they can't you know spend big time in the free agent market and everything like that have to constantly trade away their stars and yet when you consider Since 2008, they've been in the postseason 2008, 2010, 2011, 2013, and as of right now, are a playoff team now. And that's, you know, five, that's, if they make the postseason this year, then you could say for half the seasons over the last 10 years, the Rays have been a playoff team. In that same stretch of time, The Yankees didn't make the postseason in 2008. The Yankees didn't make the postseason in 2013, in 2014, and 2016. They've been in, excuse me, in as many postseasons, almost as many postseasons, and in as many World Series as the Yankees, a team they share a division with, the team that supposedly has all the advantages and this, that, and the other thing. The Red Sox have missed the postseason a bunch of times in that same period of time, and they've made the postseason a hell of a lot more often than the Mets, and probably even with the Dodgers. And so they should be looked upon as this great success story. And yet they always get the short end of the stick, and they're always talked about if they make the World Series or something, what a nightmare it would be and what a joke it is and we should move the team. Instead of saying, hey, look at how resilient they are that a team like this with this sort of, uh, lack of a better word, uh, many cards against them are consistently a postseason team and consistently put a good product on the field. And, you know, all things considered, they never get the, the recognition they deserve. So I understand why Logan Morrison has a bit of a chip on his shoulder that he gets overlooked over Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez came out of the gate as one of the big premier home run hitters because he just hit the snot out of the ball all the time. I I like this to a degree because, I don't know, it gives a little bit of anger, a little bit of an edge to the home run derby, which is something that is kind of just a dopey fun thing to do before the All-Star game. If we could have anything resembling controversy, good. Good. But I get where he's coming from. You know, like, going, oh, well, here we go. I play for a team, we're doing well, and no one notices. No one's paying any attention. I get it. I understand it. You know, the other day, Tampa was playing Chicago, the Cubs, where Joe Maddon is. And Chris Archer, the wonderful pitcher for Tampa, was one of the players going on, and people were asking him, rumors about him being traded to the Cubs, because the Cubs are obviously a contender, defending World Series champion. You know, dreams of going back-to-back at Tampa Bay. Well, they got to trade away all their stars because they're a marginal team who who can't contend. Except, as we're recording it, as the game was going on, Tampa Bay was a playoff team, and Chicago was not. I mean, these aren't opinions. These are facts. As I'm recording this, The Rays would be tied for a wild-card spot, and the Cubs would be playing golf if the playoffs started today. And it's not as absurd to say that, because uh, all the teams have played half their games. We're past July 4. We're past the halfway mark, as each team has played at least 81 games at this point. Cubs have a losing record. The Rays don't. Cubs are not a playoff team right now. The Rays are at least tied for a playoff spot. And the Rays don't get the respect that they deserve. You know, a real, like, bizarre thing that's going on in baseball right now, and that is every single team that has a winning record, it's on July 5th, every single team that has a winning record is either in position for the playoffs or tied for a playoff spot. Every team that's above 500 would be playing extra baseball this year. every team that's below 500 is going home. So when you take a look at the National League, the Nationals have are on a three game winning streak and are starting to pull away in the in the east the Brewers who are starting to put a little bit of distance between them and the Cubs not a lot but it's they it's not like a half game lead the Brewers are six games above 500 right now and the Dodgers, who won a, a, a wild game against uh, the Rockies yesterday, or the uh, Diamondbacks yesterday. Then you have the Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies would be the wild card game. And then after that, Cubs are a game under 500. The Braves are two games under 500 and tied in the lost column with the Cubs. Who had that? Who had us just beyond the halfway mark of the season and the Braves and Cubs tied in the lost column? You know, you the Cardinals, Mets, and all the other teams that we thought were going to be contenders. The Giants are right there by the bottom. And you have all the teams that have losing records would be out. In the American League, it's a little more complicated. Because you have the division leaders, my beloved Red Sox, who are on a roll. We're not going to talk much about them today. Um, the Indians, the Astros, who are just just absolutely running away with everything. And then you have the Yankees, who have been in a slump. The Royals, who were supposed to be in a position where they were going to trade away all their veterans because they were going to be a a crappy team. They are tied with the Twins and the Rays for the second wildcard spot. It's a three-way tie between the Rays, Twins, and Royals for the second wildcard spot. And then, right after that, you have the you know the Angels who are on a bit of a slide. They're sub-500, and all the teams that are sub-500 are out of it. So, at this point, it really is, if you're a winning team, guess what? You're at least going to be playing a tiebreaker. And you have three teams that going into this year, it was assumed that the Royals were going to break this team up, all these players are available you know, via free agency, you can start trading them away, and you could still make the argument that that would be, for the long term, the correct thing to do in Kansas City. But the, the, the Royals are only a game and a half out of first place. The Royals could win the division this year. If the Indians go on a little slump and the Royals have a really good second half... The Royals could be the division champion in a year that everyone, including your pal Sully, thought was they were going to be the biggest sellers come free agency. And then the Twins, with the worst team in baseball, or the second worst team in baseball last year, they're still in it. And then you have Tampa Bay, a team which no one was giving a shot to, a team which we're still talking to them as if, well, since you're a non-contender. Non-contender? If we go into a... Situation where you have a one-game playoff, you you may have to give it to Tampa. You know they have good pitching. Yet you know, one of these teams, the Royals, the Twins, or the Rays, could wind up winning the American League pennant because there is no dominant team in the American League. I still think the Cleveland Indians are going to win the American League pennant because I think they're the best team. Not talking about win-loss record. The win-loss record, the best team is Houston. But I think in a short series, I think Cleveland is still the team to beat. I think they have the best pitching, I think they the best bullpen. I think they'll wind up having the best lineup. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that Tampa Bay could be the American League champions this year. And that should be a great story. And instead, if you say that to anyone, there's like, oh, who would watch that World Series? Oh, my God, what a what a dud that would be. And that's a shame. And it makes you think maybe Logan Morrison has a point. Maybe he is right to have a chip on his shoulder to look up and say, wait a minute. Really? This isn't a great story? We're constantly having to break the team down, you know, start from scratch, That this isn't a great story? That instead the only conversation people have about the Rays are what a disgrace they are, that they can't fill the stadium up, that they should move them to Charlotte, that they should move them to Montreal, that they should move them to Portland? Instead of saying, wow, what a resilient team. I've been guilty of that too, and I have said over and over again that you cannot outrun your identity. This is coming from a Boston fan who had to hear about the Curse of the Bambino in 1918 for most of my life. You know, Rays fans have to deal with the fact that people think of them as a team that can't sell out down the stretch. I know they're in a crappy location. I know it's a crappy park and all that. That's not the point. That's that of all the, the... identities that are easier to flip. That's the easiest of them all to flip. Just start showing up to the games. Get together. Just start little email groups and say, okay, who are the 30,000 who are going to show up every day? You can find them. And if I were the Rays at this point, I'd get seat fillers. Absolutely, I'd get seat fillers. Just, just get bodies there. Just get that optics out. And just fill the dump but this is a wonderful story that's going on. And a team that is, you know, have most of their major stars have been taken away from them and they could wind up being the American League champion. A scenario that has the Rays in the World Series is not outlandish. You know, you take a look at this Yankee team who were in the first place of the wild card, well, weren't they three or four games up in the division not too long ago? They're falling like a rock. And even though Tanaka is pitching well, and imagine what the Yankees would be if they didn't have Tanaka pitching well. You're starting to see that the, their their vaunted bullpen is not as consistent, or you know, not even very good recently. Chapman's not been good. You know, Batansis has been horrible, and you're starting to see chipping away at that. You know, the at the depth of the pitching staff, the first third of the season, their pitching was outstanding. And now it's coming closer to what people thought it would be. And they're only a game and a half ahead of that three-team scrum. So it's not out of line to think, hey, what if the situation is, is a young team with some decent pitching and a couple of good hitters here or there could turn around and be the wild-card team and potentially catch a Houston team napping and maybe win a best-of-seven against Boston or Cleveland and get themselves in the World Series. Why isn't that something that would be celebrated? Why do people only think in terms of, you know, the big market teams winning? And 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 it's the great hypocrisy because when the Red Sox and Yankees were dominating baseball in the mid 2000s, people kept saying, "Oh, it's always the Red Sox and Yankees. I wish some small market teams would get in." And then 2008 The Rays did get in, and you have seen small market teams get in. And now people, you will hear people say, oh, man, these small market team, who cares? The ratings are so low. Well, which is it? Which do you want? Part of me would love to see this. I mean, again, obviously I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I want to see the Red Sox win. Whether you like that or not, you know what, you got to deal with it. Go blow up your fireworks and deal with it. You know, but there are teams I would like to see win, and I would be okay with the Red Sox. My goal this year with the Red Sox is to see the Red Sox win the division of the Yankees not in the playoffs. That, to me, that's just twofold what I want to see happen. You know, kind of like, I don't know, last year. You know, I'm fine with if the Red Sox don't win the World Series this year. I want them to win the division. And I think they have a good young team that's going to be good and a contender for years to come. I want them to. But if they don't win it, I won't sit around, oh, my God, what a failed season. Now, I you know, there are other teams I said, like Cleveland. I really want to see Cleveland win. I would love to see Washington win. I would like to see Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers win. You know, Houston winning would be cool. There are some teams that have been waiting a long time that would be cool to see win. And Tampa Bay winning would be really amazing. Because it would be such a middle finger to so much... Conventional wisdom and we as baseball fans have to stop worrying about things like ratings and attendance these are things we shouldn't really worry about I can't control the attendance of Tampa Bay it's good for optics to have a full stadium it just is when you see a stadium and it's filled with people cheering it's it's more exciting than a, an like three guys named Clyde going yeah Way to go, Logan. It just is. If they have to do seat fillers or whatever they have to do to, to fill up the joint, then go do it. If they have to give away free tickets, then go do it. Just fill up the dump. But the rest of us have to embrace this. The rest of us has to look at this team and go like, hey, wait a minute, this is really great for baseball. Teams that you expected because of our arrogance to be essentially glorified farm teams for the big market clubs are contending. It may hurt the Royals long term to not trade players away. It may. Absolutely it may. You're taking all these players, the Hosmers and everyone who's up for free agency, it may help them to get two young players back for every one of them. But do you know what? It may be great for Kansas City... To try to win their third pennant in four years, and have a generate another one more year of really fun baseball in Kansas City, and to go for it. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for the Rays and the Twins, and instead, it could be a year that they put it all together. And with that in mind, that should be something we celebrate. And you know what? It appears when you look around that baseball is a lot better than a lot of the other sports of having new champions in there and unexpected teams winning. You've had one team dominate the World Series this decade, and it's not been Boston. It's not been New York. It's been San Francisco. And you see how hard it is to repeat in baseball. The Cubs, I picked the Cubs to win the pennant. I didn't pick them to win the World Series. I picked them to win the pennant. Most people were picking them to repeat. Now, they could very well turn it around and surpass the Brewers, but there you have the Brewers. What if we have a World Series between the Brewers and the Twins? What if we have a World Series between the Brewers and the Rays or the Royals? I guarantee you some nitwit will be out there and say, you know what, I hate that it's Boston and New York every year. It's not. Baseball has done something where you're seeing teams that you're really not expecting turn it around? What if it's a Rays-Rockies or here's one, Rays-Diamondbacks? Take two seconds and think about that, would you? Welcome to the 2017 World Series. It's the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now think about it without thinking about Fox executives who are obviously slitting their throats when they see that. Think about that without thinking about what ad sales would be for Budweiser. Who gives a shit about Budweiser? Think about that without thinking about tradition and the teams that can make you harken back to the days of Honus Wagner and of Paul Weiner and of Ty Cobb. Forget all that and just think about it in terms of two fan bases who were not expected to win, two teams that weren't on the radar, two teams that aren't the teams that win in every year, coming together and trying to win a title. Think about it. If it was Brewers Rays, then you have a World Series between two franchises that have never won the World Series. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be good for baseball? So think about it, not in terms of how we have been categorizing what a great matchup would be. Even I, my first instinct, saying, hey, a Rays-Rockies World Series, a Rays-Brewers World Series, made me recoil initially. But why? Shouldn't this be something we're celebrating Shouldn't this be something to point and said, yeah, look at baseball. Small market teams can win. Small market teams that are destined to tear themselves down and rebuild constantly can be in a position like Kansas City to be in a position to, win, to go to the World Series three out of four years. Or for Tampa Bay to say, yeah, in a ten-year stretch, we made the postseason half those years. You can't say that for most NFL teams. You can't say that in the NBA where there's really only three or four teams that have a shot to win. We should be celebrating the Rays instead of rolling our eyes about them. And I'm as guilty as anyone. Okay, some of you are more guilty than me, but I am guilty as well. And maybe I get a little bit of what Logan Morrison was saying. Maybe he wasn't very eloquent, but these are baseball players. This is not Winston Churchill. These are not orators. No one said, "Hey, do you know why we should trade for Logan Morrison? Why? Because he's so well spoken. I'm sure he'll give a good quote." Man, this could be a Rays year, and we should pay close attention to them. Do you know why? Because they're a good story. Okay, let's keep the Rays theme going for the teams that should have won. Look at that, a plane flying overhead. Someone starting a leaf blower. Let me tell you. My opinions of leaf blowers are eerily similar to my opinions on the uh, firecrackers. Now, of course, leaf blowers actually serve a purpose. You know, they, they move leaves from here to there. They're just annoying. They're annoying, especially when they're going up during the weekend. But, all right, fine, fine, fine. I just i am annoyed by the sound over there. Uh, let's go on to the team that should have won. We're going to cover so we're doing my best to chop all these off as quickly as I can. Let's go to the Rays. Since we're talking Rays, let's get, let's chop the Rays off of here. You know, from nineteen ninety-eight, their first season, through two thousand and seven, their first ten seasons of playing, they were the Devil Rays. They they never had a season where they didn't lose ninety games. They were the definition of an embarrassing franchise. Uh, it was. Tampa has a strange baseball history. I've talked about this on the Daily Podcast. But it was a place that seemed to be the ideal city to move to and away from. It became such a rallying point with that stadium built there empty for all those years that you had teams like Minnesota, like Texas, like San Francisco, like the Chicago White Sox, like the first expansion. Everyone always threatened, we're going to move to Tampa if you don't do this, we're going to move to Tampa if you don't do that. It actually served a greater purpose, kind of the way Los Angeles served that purpose, with no one, you know, with the uh, city of Los Angeles not having a team. So, oh, if you don't build us a place, we're just going to move to Los Angeles. It's just sitting right there. And so Tampa became a place for sort of municipal blackmail, which is what you're doing when you're saying, hey, uh, if you don't build us a stadium, we'll move away. I mean, it's a form of blackmail. And we're starting to see, I mean, I think cities are starting to come to, the realization that that's madness to pay for a stadium for a billionaire to play their teams in. You know, it doesn't improve businesses and it doesn't improve infrastructure and everything like that. Now, Tampa built that stadium in the 80s, and it was an 80s-style stadium, which meant by the time they actually put a team in there with the Devil Rays, the stadium was already obsolete before one game was even played there. And they need to do something. Now, I used to be of the mindset that you have to move them because it's not working. But, you know what? I'm now of the mindset of I'm not about ripping the heart out of any fan base. And make it work. Find a way to make it work. Find a stadium place in downtown Tampa or some other place. Find a way to make it work. Because I also think baseball needs to expand by two teams. They need to expand... To Charlotte, or maybe Montreal, or maybe to Portland. And so you and I also think baseball needs to solve the Oakland Stadium situation, which is the easiest stadium situation to fix in the world. Build a new one in the Oakland Coliseum parking lot. Boom, there. Solved it. Next. Uh, Tampa Bay, find a way to do it in downtown Tampa. Boom, here you go. Let's put a team in Charlotte and Montreal and move on with our lives as a plane flies overhead. Those first 10 years were embarrassing. The only two highlights in those 10 years were Wade Boggs hitting uh, his 3,000th hit as a Devil Ray and it being a home run. And the movie The Rookie, which I think is a really underrated movie, uh, had the guy who was a high school coach and teacher finally getting his break in the big leagues as a left-handed mop-up man. Now, that shows you two sides to that story the one side it's a beautiful story about never giving up on your dreams on the other hand it showed you how bad Tampa Bay's pitching staff was back then they thought like hell why don't we just have that high school coach pitch for a while and see what happens but then an amazing thing happened they changed their name they dropped the devil simply the Rays and all of a sudden the team's fortunes turned there was a lot of young talent high draft picks and everything like that um But they suddenly went from a 90-loss team to the World Series in 2008. And they showed it wasn't a fluke because essentially the same team won the division again in 2010. They had the classic finale of 2011. And then down the stretch had to fight off three different teams to get to the wild card. They had to play a one-game playoff to play the one-game playoff in 2013. And they have a fine team this year, which would be the ultimate uh, unexpected team because you've taken away David Price. You've taken away almost all the big players with the exception of Evan Longoria, and you've taken away Joe Madden. And next thing you know, they could very well be a playoff team, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. And the last 10 seasons have been, well, pretty successful. Now, which one of the teams of the teams that should have won would have been the greatest Tampa Bay story? Well, I think it really comes down to two of the four playoff teams. And let me eliminate two right off the bat. The 2010 playoff team won the division, stealing it from the Yankees towards the end of the season. And they wound up losing game five at home with David Price on the mound in a series against the Texas Rangers. Now, that was a good team, a solid team, and it would have been a really, you know, Amazing team to see them win the World Series. But they're not going to be the one I pick. And neither will be the team in 2013, one that had to win a game in Toronto, then go to—they in. in, in they were one day in Toronto, the very next day they had to play a one-game playoff in Texas to qualify for the wild-card game. Then they had to go to Cleveland to play the wild-card game, which they won, and then they went to Boston to play game one of the Division Series. Now, that was a competitive division series, especially with the lone blemish of Koji Uehara's postseason that year with a walk-off homer by Jose Lobaton. But it didn't go five, and let's face it, that was a... Cut, 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 cut. That was a solid team, and they played the Red Sox hard. They gave uh, Jose Lobaton, hit the walk-off homer against Koji Uehara, but that's not the team I'm going to go with. It really comes down to two teams and which story is the better one. Because the two stories that would be the all-time stories that would make people bring up the Rays in conversation, much like how we talked about the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, we're not dealing with a deep, long history here. So we have to have the team that would have the narrative that people would never be able to stop shutting up about. With the Diamondbacks, I picked 99 because they said they, wouldn't, they won the World Series in their second year of existence. With the Rockies, I picked 2007 because of the incredible stretch run they had in September where they went from on the fringes to, to the World Series. And I said a World Championship would have made them a story that no one would be able to stop talking about. So which one of the two amazing Rays stories would have been the one that people were talking about? Of course, 2011, when they were desperately behind the Red Sox, in a year where they had already lost a couple of key players, including Carl Crawford, to free agency, and they did not look like they were going to be the type of team that would get back to the playoffs. And when they were far behind the Red Sox for one of the, wild, for the wild card, because there, there was no wild card game yet that year, and the Red Sox and Yankees were battling it out for the division title, you know, like the big market teams do. The Red Sox did one of the great belly flops in the history of baseball with such a horrific September. And it got down to a tide on the final day of the season. And and the Red Sox were one swing away from winning that game. The Rays were one swing from losing that game. If one swing from the Red Sox worked out and one swing for the Rays worked out then the Red Sox would have been the wildcard team and nobody would have remembered the great belly flop of 2011 instead the Red Sox collapsed, the Orioles scored what, two or three in the bottom of the ninth the final play on a belly flop by Carl Crawford where the ball got away from him and as that was happening uh, Evan Longoria hit a walk-off home run and suddenly the Rays were the playoff team And that was such an amazing final day, which also had the underrated collapse by the Braves that let the Cardinals in, that it would have been an amazing story if the Rays went on to win it all. And lest we forget, Matt Moore started Game 1 of the playoffs. He had like one start, and he beat the Rangers in Game 1 of the Division Series. Now, the Rangers went on to win the next three games. and went on to be one strike away from winning the World Series. But they lost to St. Louis. St. Louis, a wildcard team that only got in because Atlanta absolutely collapsed. Now imagine if it was the Rays who went all the way to win, and it got down to the, they only got in because of that Evan Longoria-Homer and everything. That would have been an amazing story. But not the most amazing story. Not the most amazing story with the best possible cast for the Tampa Bay Rays. And that would have been 2008. Think about a team that was so bad that they just, that the idea of them breaking even was impossible. That they would have been pointed at as the team that you just say is, has absolutely no chance. Because they have no revenue. They have no fan base They had a terrible stadium. They had no tradition. They've never even had a team that didn't lose 90 games. And they're in a division with the Red Sox and Yankees. They were the poster children of it not being fair. Baseball's not fair in the 2000s. And if you could have had, in the 2000s, with the Red Sox and Yankees seemingly winning the pennant every single year. They didn't win it every year. The Tigers won it one year. The White Sox won it one year. The Angels won it one year. But all the rest of the time in the 2000s, it was the Yankees and the Red Sox. And it was not fair. Baseball economics isn't fair. It's terrible. It's awful. It's It's not even... It, you know, a team like the Rays, what chance do they have? And to win the division ahead of the Yankees, and they beat the Red Sox in seven games, had they defeated Philadelphia, think about all of the East... you know, the... the Northeast bias that they would have slayed in one year and forever be the team that people point to and say, hey, I know we have no revenue. I know we don't have deep pockets. I know we're going up against the big spenders. But the Rays did in 2008. And you can say that they won the pennant. That should be a great story as it is. But people don't remember pennant winners. They remember the team that won it all. The idea of a narrative for a team like, as I said, Arizona, Colorado, and Tampa Bay is to create that narrative that you know people keep bringing up that story ad nauseum. And the 2008 Rays that seemingly had every beloved Ray of all time there, Evan Longoria, Carl Crawford, Rocco Baldelli, the great cameo by David Price at the end there, you had Grant Balfour, that crazy Australian, and then you had um, uh, Carlos Pena at first base and you had Navarro behind the catcher in catching and you had uh, uh, Garza and you had uh, Shields you had all the players that you associate with the Rays in that run with Joe Madden, and it would have been one of the great stories of all time because there was no reason they could have should have, or had any ability to win the World Series. So in this Rays-centric episode of Sully Baseball, remember my last episode, wasn't that have to do with the the Diamondbacks? Don't anyone accuse me of just talking about the Red Sox and Giants this year. I got to say, 2008 Rays, the team that should have won. Hey, I've got some more podcasts coming up, and next week should be a very big week For Sully Baseball, I'll talk about that a little bit this weekend. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. You have no idea how long it took me to record this podcast, but I'm delivering it to you. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. I'm not the Daily Podcast. I'm so used to saying that. Still used to saying it. Old habits die hard. For the fifth day of July 2017, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.